With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, folks. And well, the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything Tennessee Volunteers every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something you want to listen to on the reg, go over and subscribe at the A to Z Sports uh, Podcast Network on Apple, Spotify. As I already said, when you get there, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe. Because if you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows. When we drop them on Mondays, and speaking of Mondays, it is one right now at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that means me and Zach are live on YouTube. Go over to the A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel and subscribe there. Hit that notification bell. And then when we go live like we are right now, you can hop in, be a part of the show. You can comment. We love responding to your comments um, and going back and forth uh, with the folks that listen to this show. And so uh, come in here, be a part of the show. The A to Z Sports National YouTube channel at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach DNT at A to Z Sports A to Z uh, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach writes on the internet. And there's a lot of it. He literally posted something like 15 minutes before we came on. Uh, Zach, I was nervous on Saturday for this Tennessee football game. The Vols pulled it out by the skin of their teeth. Obviously, we're going to discuss that. Um, but during this show right now, my boy's on the baseball diamond. The Texas Rangers, who, again, I, I, I'm going to just have to keep saying this. Family family in Texas grew up going to Rangers games. That's why I'm a Rangers fan. They are playing right now in the ALCS against the Houston Astros. The most bitter of rivals for those guys. I cannot despise the Astros more. Hanging on to a lead as we speak. At least they were last time I looked. And so this is going to be an anxiety-ridden uh, show for me. Yeah, top of the eighth, up 5-3, hanging on for dear life, baby. And so uh, you're going to get to watch me go through that in, in real time. What's up, Zach? Yeah, I saw they got out of a bases-loaded, no-out situation on the Ooh. road, nonetheless. That's huge. It does not happen. Living on the edge. Team, so. uh, the Astros never go away easy, but that would be fun to see the Rangers uh, get to the World Series for sure. Yeah, I was texting some friends of mine. Uh, if uh, if the Rangers make it to the World Series, I will find and I will go to a Creed concert because uh, supposedly they've been listening to, to Creed before these games to like get hyped. And Creed, do they still have meeting. Creed concerts? I don't know, <laughs> but if they do, I will go to one. If the Rangers make the World Series. Um, that is beside the point, though. This is not a Rangers podcast. This is a Tennessee sports podcast. Thank you to everybody who's already tuning in. It's Bama Week, folks. And that means it's going to be a big show. Uh, I 
I mean, this is it. This this is one that obviously all of us have kind of been waiting for. You're five and one, a great opportunity to really make this season another special one this week. And uh, I mean, you just beat Texas a and so you got a little bit of momentum. And we're going to discuss all of that and a heck of a lot more right after I tell you about our first great sponsor, Zinn Sports. I got to find the graphic. I'm never good at this. There it is right there. It's football season. And it's time to switch to Zinn Sports, the fastest growing sports book in Tennessee, changing the bonus game with their cash rewards program. When you sign up for Zinn Sports with code A to ZTN, Earn a welcome bonus that gives you 5% cash back on your total betting volume for your first 15 days of betting. You can just think about that deal for a second here. It is an insane offer. And if you have friends who also bet on sports, share your Zen Sports referral bonus code with them, and then you'll earn 3% of their betting volume for their first six months of betting. And there's no cap on how much you can earn. It's crazy. What are you waiting for? Stop wasting time and money on other sports books when you could be earning real cash rewards with Zen Sports. Download Zen Sports today on the App Store and or at zensports.com and your wallet will thank you later. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet. Shout out to Zen Sports, helping out the boys here on the show. So Tennessee played Texas A&M and uh, it was a bit of a dicey one. <laughs> Um, came out, you're down at halftime. First game of Josh Heupel's time at Tennessee that he has won when trailing at halftime. Then also the first game of Josh Heupel's, I believe Josh Heupel's entire head coaching career where he won scoring less than 30 points. Joe Milton plays poorly. The wide receivers play poorly. Your running game plays awesome. Your defensive line plays incredible. And Tennessee walks out with a victory. Zach, what's your kind of thousand foot view from uh, watching that game? I felt pretty confident going into the game. Like weirdly, I wasn't nearly as nervous as I am for most big Tennessee conference games. Like I was way more nervous for Florida and, and South Carolina because I did. I just didn't think Texas A&M was that good. I, I believed in their defensive front, but offensively, I didn't think it would be as bad as what we saw on Saturday because A&M was pretty terrible across the board outside of that first drive of the game. I just don't think they're a very good team. I don't think Jimbo's that great of a coach. I don't think he has the the, the quarterback that he wants to kind of do what he wants. And who knows who's calling the offense. We were talking about it before the show. That marriage between Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher always seemed like it was going to be a weird fit. Egos get involved and goodness, both of those guys we know have egos. So who knows who's calling what down there. So that, that part, it's kind of what I expected. I think Tennessee's defense made it worse, uh, the way that they played, especially the defensive line. Didn't expect that from Tennessee's offense. Uh, they actually ran the ball better than I thought. I thought they'd be able to pick things up in the passing game because A&M blitzes so much, and they, they kind of let you get in these one-on-one situations on the outside. Kind of thought this would be the game that we finally saw some of those downfield shots, and we almost did. I mean, there were a couple to – Romel Keaton, that you know, he dropped one wide open. Uh, luckily, Tennessee did score on that drive. They got bailed out by a penalty on that particular play. There was a couple of pass interference calls that didn't get called that maybe Keaton makes a play. Um, I still believe in Romel Keaton. I just He's going through a rough stretch. Who knows what's going on? You just never know. But uh, some of those shots were there. They just didn't execute them. Uh, 
that that to me was the surprise. Then they managed to run the ball. I mean, Texas A&M stuffed them a few times, but man, Jalen Wright, that dude continues to just get better and better and better. Like as good as Dylan Sampson is, as electric as Sampson is, I feel like you can't take Jalen Wright really off the field because of his ability to pick up those extra yards after contact. I mean, he just does not go down easy. Every single carry, he's fighting for those extra yards. And and to be no bigger than he is, he's not a huge running back. I mean, he's decent size, over 200 pounds, but he's not a Marshawn Lynch out there. Uh, it, it's impressive to watch. It, honestly, I like the way they keep those three guys fresh, but it's – I feel like Jabari Small should be getting the, the least amount of carries at this point. Nothing against Jabari Small. He's a tremendous player. He's going to be, a, you know, statistically one of the better running backs that's played at Tennessee, but there's just so much there more that, that Sampson and Wright can really do. So do, kind do of hear, what we saw from – do, do you hear that, Zach? It's that blue tick coonhound. Oh. Because Jalen Wright's a dog. That's a dog alert. He I is. had to bring it back. I had to bring it back up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you gotta be you just gotta get fired up watching that guy run. I mean, when he oh. gets hit, like he gets hit after he's you know three yards beyond the line of scrimmage, and it turns into a fifteen yard run. How can you not get fired up? The offensive line gets fired up. I mean, it's it, it's an element that that has been fun, as stressful as it has been to watch Tennessee's offense this season, and the the passing game kind of being out of sorts. The running game has been a joy to watch. So it was. Tennessee, it didn't surprise me that Tennessee won the game, but it's just the way that they won, I think, surprised everybody. Absolutely. Even (laughs) – it's especially surprised Josh Heupel because there was a a video that I I retweeted uh, that somebody posted after the game, and it was him uh, greeting his kids there on on the sidelines, and he he hugs his daughter, and he's like, you've never seen anything like that in your life, have you? (laughs) He says something like that to her. Uh, And then he came into the post game. And he was like, oh, I haven't been involved in a game like that in years. And it says something like that. I mean, he Josh Heibel is more surprised than anybody, probably. It was a weird, weird game. And, man, the, the comments are going crazy. Thank you to everybody who's who's tuning in. Uh, Ernie says, go balls, go balls. Derek says, GBO. Uh, GBO, of course. Uh, they, man, I just going through here, there is just so many. We'll, we're going to try to get uh, to the comments. Um. But, uh, yeah, this this game was unlike anything that you've seen from from Josh Heupel, and it was really just something to behold the way that this thing went. Because I, I tweeted this out before we came on here. Tennessee is a hard nosed, run first, defense heavy team with Josh Heupel. What's happening right now? I feel like I'm living in the damn twilight zone. Um, that it was wild, wild to watch, and and maybe you know Texas A&M's a weird, a weird school with a weird team, weird. You know, would you consider the yell leader guys mascots? Weird mascots, weird traditions. I guess it makes sense that you played a weird game against it, but I also think this is how Tennessee's going to win going forward. Like this, this has to be the formula. We uh, we were having this discussion before we came on here. But, you know, you've you brought up, Zach, that uh, some commentators on TV were saying like, well, Tennessee, Alabama's offense is better than Tennessee's offense. Tennessee just can't get any offense going. Tennessee has like the number 30 ish offense in America right now. Uh, They just aren't scoring. 
but they're moving the ball 250 yards rushing in that game 230 right against South Carolina this is just, it's just not happening the way that everybody thought it was going to happen that's the only difference is that it's all the yards are coming on the ground and then you're having trouble finishing when you get into the red zone when you get you know down really when they get the like the opposing 40 yard line it seems like things just like lock up something happens right there where just everybody loses it i i don't know what's happening and why that's kind of the cursed area for tennessee right now but it is and so uh yeah it's it's just weird but hey here's the thing you're five and one period it's you got that w in the win column and that's what matters and and you're seeing the emergence of some guys who you just got to be so happy. James Pierce, obviously, he was my dog alert last week. James Pierce, he he deserves it. Honestly, he deserves it again. Let's just the two dog alerts here. Dog alert number two. James Pierce, dude, is brutal. He brutalized Max Johnson. Lived in the backfield. What what was that stat? It, it was uh, I had it on Twitter. Let me see if I can bring it up. Um, that showed just how often Tennessee was in in uh, in his backfield. Here it is. Max Johnson was pressured on 25 of 39 dropbacks. That is 64.1% per pro football focus. A&M has never had a pressure rate that high since PFF started tracking this stat in 2014. This dude so looked like he was in the the matrix with some of the <laughs> the, uh, the throws that he was getting off to avoid sacks, and I hate it for like Omar Omari Thomas. He got robbed of a sack because Max Johnson somehow, while falling backwards, was able to keep his knee an inch off the ground and fling the ball towards the line of scrimmage. Incredibly dangerous, but the dude was fighting for his life all day long. It was uh, incredible to watch, and that could be something to watch going forward to Alabama too, because they've had some of their own offensive line issues that Nick Saban talked about today. But that, I mean, that was the difference in the game. Like, when was the last time the defense was, you know, really the difference in a game like that? Like, there's been games under Hypo where the defense played well, right? Like LSU, uh, Clemson, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, those games last season. But this was a game that's like the defense won the game. It wasn't just yeah. you know, a compliment to this explosive offense that you saw. And I don't know, I, I took some joy in that. I know a lot of people are complaining. We've seen a ton of that on Twitter and Facebook and social media, right? About the way that Tennessee's winning and the lack of offense, which is crazy because they're five and one. Like you said, I tweeted on uh, Twitter the other day that we've only watched Tennessee lose three games out of their last 19. Like when was the last mm. time they've gone through a stretch like that? They've had, Several games that have kind of come down to the wire over the last year and a half. The Pittsburgh game last season, the, the Florida game, which shouldn't have last year. Obviously, Alabama. You've had a you know the, the Texas A and M game. You've had a couple of these games where, typically, those are games where we just brutal losses. We get to see these just bat breaking, horrendous losses. And the last time, the three losses Tennessee's had, we kind of saw them coming. Like within the game. It didn't go down to the wire. We knew Georgia, uh, South Carolina, Florida. We kind of saw it coming in the fourth quarter and knew what was going to happen. It's really been since Ole Miss in 2021 that Tennessee's had one of those just devastating last-second losses. And those used to happen like five times a year. So I know it's not going like the way we all thought it would go this season, but at the same time, I think we all still have to really appreciate what's happening right now. The fact that Tennessee's finding a way to win in the SEC, it's not always going to be perfect. I mean, it's not like Josh Heupel's offense was always going to be this like 
cheat code that you just generate points no matter who's back there. I mean, I think that whole narrative of plug and play is out the window at this point. It's very obvious that Tennessee lost the first round right tackle. They lost their their quarterback that was a third round pick, probably would have been a higher pick if not for the ACL, the Boletnikoff Award winner. Cedric Tillman, Byron Young, who's tearing it up in the NFL for the Rams right now, had a sack against Josh Jobs, ironically, uh, on Sunday. So a ton of talent that, yeah, that's that's hard to replace. And not to get too far off the rails here, but I think maybe some of these players, maybe Adante Thornton came into this offense thinking, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be Jalen Hyatt. Well, we heard all the stories about the work Jalen Hyatt put in last season. Dante Thornton's looking like Jalen Hyatt in 2021 at this point, yep. where all the wide receivers are, kind of. And you just you don't just show up and be Jalen Hyatt. Like you got to put in the work, you got to stay late, you got to put hours and hours and hours into this, or it's not going to happen just because you play for Tennessee and for Josh Heupel. There, yeah, there's a lot of that kind of all over the field. You already brought up Keaton. Like, just stuff is just not with the passing game in general. Stuff's just not there. Uh, <laughs> Memphis says Joe Milton. Is the Millie Vanilli of 2023? He says that Joe is always a second or two off, and we're going to talk about specifically about Joe in the second segment. But because there's just too much there to to unpack. But yeah, you. I, I don't want to say you got to abandon the past, but you got to figure something out where it becomes serviceable because just in that game, I mean, it's, the dude who's, who said it here, somebody, somebody said this. Yeah. Tony, he said, Milton couldn't hit the broad side of a bar. That's a great way to say it. He just really couldn't. And th- there was just nothing going there. And, and, and even when he could you hit Keaton in the hands and bounces off and you just go, what, what are we even doing? Something has to give there. Uh, because you're, if you don't have the pass game, people can just tee off on you when you're running the ball. That would eventually get stopped up. Like you're not, they can just load the box against you and just continue to, you know, to bring guys. And, and you know, when they know they don't have to respect a pass at all. So you, you got to figure something out there. I don't know what it is. You would hope that, it, I mean, Dante Thornton, it seems like is the, the most veteran, the most physically gifted guy that you have kind of left along with Keaton. You would hope Keaton would be that guy too. He's just going through whatever nightmare he's going through. And so here you are. Um, like I said, we're going to, we're going to talk about Joe in just a, a second with the, uh, it, Oh, th- and I wanted to say this too. a bunch of people mentioned uh, me. <laughs> maybe we need to have a third dog alert. D Williams, no. D Williams, dude. How, how could we forget to, Timothy, Mr. Jones, uh, they they both bring up uh, D here. Um, obviously, I mean, he saves your butt. He saved your butt in this game. Oh my gosh! Like the and that that moment was so magical. Like that that was such a classic, seminal, big game kneeling moment there. Because you could you could really you feel, could it. feel it. Yeah, you could you could feel it coming. That was the coolest part of that entire thing. Because he D Williams himself. Pins them down at the goal line. Great punt, uh, first of all. But then uh, Williams fields the punt at the one-yard line. And so he makes a great play there. People are already like, oh, yeah, sweet. That's D. Look at him. 
gets them down to the one yard line. Then Tennessee's defense does what they do. They're just killing the, the third down stop, yeah. the third down pass defense there by Kamal Haddon made sure because they wouldn't have got the first down, they still would have punted, but that ensured that they had to punt from their own end zone. A huge yep. play. It it really was. And it, Haddon, man, the redemption arc there right now is what just a story. Wild. Yeah. Three three interceptions on the season, one in this game that sealed it. Uh but yeah, and then they from there, they punt the D. Williams from just right in their own uh, end zone. And and like you said, you could just feel it. You could feel it coming. It's just like, he's going to return this if they give him the chance. Don't give him the chance. And then they did. And he he took it right to the house. And it was just so wild. I, I even talked to, to a friend of mine who lives in Knoxville, but he's actually a, a Florida fan and and was at the game. Um, and he said that it just, you couldn't, you couldn't hear yourself think that it just got so loud, so wild in that moment. It, it took the top off the place and that it's incredible. D is a dog. Now that brings up. Why is D not playing on offense? What are we doing? Supposedly warmed up with the offense, warmed up with the wide receivers in pregame and still got nothing uh, except for the game that saved or the play that saved your butt in this game. That's, that's a tough one for me. Do, do you have a theory as to what's happening there? I really don't because part of what makes D. Williams great is the way he sees the field. It's, I mean, he's fast. Obviously, we know he's fast. But on that 39-yard punt return, it never felt like he got even to full speed. If you want, and that's, I think, part of why that punt return happened is he he knows he doesn't, he like let, he let everything kind of set up and he, he made his moves carefully and he saw the field. He made the cut where the, the one Texas A&M player was kind of on skates there and he knew exactly where to go. Like the way that he navigates the field, it's not that he's just blazing fast. Like he sees the field really well. Yeah. And you would think getting the ball to him in space on just, just one of these screen passes, like how well, how you don't have to know anything intricate about route running. I want to think to just go out in the flat and catch a screen pass and let your block set up and, and see how far he can go. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what the thought process is there. Obviously, we're not privy to a lot of what goes you know, through the coaches' minds and what they're thinking with that. But when you got somebody that electric in an offense that's struggling to score, you ain't got to put him out there for every snap. But, you know, just see what happens on a couple of snaps. I mean, maybe the play doesn't go to him. It doesn't work out. I don't know. But you would think there'd be a situation or two every game where he could make some like Cordero Patterson like moves out there on offense because we know Cordero Patterson was never a great route runner. He never mastered it in the NFL and, and the Atlanta Falcons were the team that kind of finally figured out how to use him. And Williams is obviously a much different player than Patterson, but I think it could be a similar situation. So, you know, hopefully we see that going forward. I mean, you really, you really have two guys there that I think can be versatile pieces where, I mean, I, I think with, with D you could go end around, like you said. You could go screen pass, just some, you know, uh, swing pass out in the flat, something like that. And then Dylan Sampson, like Titans YouTuber here, says, "I love our running back situation, though I really like Sampson." I mean, Dylan Sampson, I really love when they pass him the ball because mm -hmm. uh, he's he's a little too, and this is gonna be true probably his entire career. He's a little too small for pass blocking. He, he can build some skill in pass blocking for sure, but he's always just going to be a smaller dude. But he's got that, and I think we've even said it on this show in past weeks, he's got that Camara feel to him, man. He can just be so shifty, and his vision is great, and he's just lightning fast in space. And so you got those two dudes, and I just look at that, and I go, with, with that 
with these kind of middling wide receivers that you have. I mean, Squirrel White, a wide receiver, you know Squirrel White can be good, but you add all of that together and you just go, surely, even though Joe can't throw a forward pass right now, surely we can figure something out there. Like there has to be a way to get the ball in the friggin' end zone. With with that, it's it's not like you're devoid of talent on this offense, and that that's what's you know. Yeah, that's a, they were going to Samson and you know, early in the season that Virginia game. It seemed like he was kind of their red zone answer. You know, Jalen Wright, yeah. Jabari Small would get him down the field, and and Samson would finish it off. And they really haven't went back to him in the red zone. And really, the idea there would be to pass the ball to him and and get it out on the edge and the perimeter and let a couple of blocks set up and maybe he makes a cut and gets into the end zone. Like, I feel like that, if you do that a few times against Texas A&M, surely he gets into the end zone. One of those times you would think, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm not the offensive coordinator there. The one calling plays. I, I don't know. I, I just think that hype could get creative and, and now's the time. I mean, you remember the Alabama game last year that that was when he, I believe for the first time he pulled out the fullback run. Uh, if if I'm thinking correctly, I think that that was the first fullback run. So maybe he he goes deep in the bag on this one and and finally digs some of that stuff up. Yeah, but, a lot of McCallan Castles up back back there like that. Hand him the ball. He's a big dude. Hey, I, I'm saying, do something here because the potential's there. You just gotta unlock it because the th- I mean the thing that's missing, and I've seen a bunch of people say this already. Like if you combine last year's offense with this defense, that's a national championship team. That's the, you would have been you would have been waltzing into the playoff last year. Uh, you would have given Georgia a better game. I mean, dang! Like it, it's just crazy to think about. And so, if you can find this offense, <laughs> it's, it's hard to believe that that's the, the conversation we're having with Josh Heupel as Tennessee's coach. But but that's where you're at. And I think the main reason that we're having this conversation is is the wide receivers a little bit offensive line and it's joe milton let's be completely honest here um your quarterback is a huge huge piece in that and let's talk about him right after i tell you about farm bureau health plans our next great sponsor farm bureau health plan has been serving tennesseans for over 75 years some has changed in Tennessee. Oh, I lost my spot. There is much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get yourself a health plan with Farm Bureau. Um, Joe Milton, this was a bit of a controversy on the post game show with Jonathan Crompton. Uh, in fact, there were some pretty heated comments. If you go and look at our, the couple of videos that we posted from the, the full stream. And then we pulled out a clip of him talking about Milton. Um, Crompton has, in my opinion, been kind <laughs> about Joe Milton. He's been very defensive of Joe Milton. Uh, and I, I agree with him at a thousand foot view because his, a lot of his overarching point has been Joe Milton's not great, but he's not the primary problem. And I would look at it now, having seen a lot of Joe Milton and I go, Joe Milton is probably the primary problem. And then the wide receivers aren't great. And then the offensive line hasn't been as good as it could be because of injuries for the most part. Um, 
so I disagree with them in that way. But yeah, I mean, crop, put it lightly, crop got a little bit roasted in the comments because uh, people are not feeling Joe Milton right now um, at all. And it's tough because here, to me, here are the facts on the ground. Joe Milton is not playing good football. He, for the second week in a row, he did not uh, read a coverage correctly and threw a horrible interception. And it was nearly the same exact situation, near same exact length, right in the middle of the field. And it was right after he had made a great play. He had run somebody over, got up, <laughs> taunted them right in their face, uh, and then threw this horrendous interception. Like It just was, ugh, just a total momentum ruiner. He's just not playing well. But here's the other fact. He's not going to get replaced. He's just not. You got to just kind of come to grips with that because they're not going to put Nico out there, especially not going to put Nico out there to, you know, trial by fire in Tuscaloosa. That's crazy. Now that was, I believe Josh Dobbs first game was against Alabama. I think it was in Neyland stadium, but uh, no, it was on the road 2013. I was at the one in Neyland and he, uh, Neyland was 2014, but it was on the road. He ripped off a couple nice plays against. Yeah. He played uh, well. Because he played, he finished the season in 2013, and then they went back to Justin Worley to start the 2018 season, and uh, saw Dobbs again at the Alabama game. That's yeah, he well, <laughs> whatever it was. Um, the bottom line with Milton is that they're gonna probably go with him unless he gets hurt. I said this even before the season. I think that's that's the case with him. Whether it and and you can just they're not going to tell you you can just fill in the blank on your reasoning there. Some people are saying, oh, they don't they don't trust Nico. Some people are saying they want to protect Nico so that he can just you know so that he's not damaged this year behind a kind of skitzy O line and he'll he'll be better next year. What fill in the blank? However you would like to. They're not going to play Nico. They're I, they're just not because Joe. First of all, you're five and one. <laughs> you won five games. You only lost once. Now, the one game where you lost, Joe played horrendously. And even in some of your wins, Joe played horrendously. But you are five and one. And so, I mean, and I, I will say if, if they end up, you know, losing to Missouri and Kentucky, maybe both. And maybe, you know, you just look impotent against both of them. Maybe they would switch to Nico. But until then, man, ah. This is not going to happen. I, I, I just don't see it. I think, I think there's a lot of layers to this. I think first off, Josh Heupel really wants to protect his culture and what he's built in that quarterback room. And I don't know how you do that. If you bench Joe Milton and maybe it all works out fine, but I don't know if he thinks if, if, if it's worth it to kind of create this controversy uh, who knows how Milton react? I mean, Milton's been a tremendous person, a tremendous human being. I mean, everything you could ask for, no matter what happens, I think uh, he should always kind of be praised for the way that he handled some tough situations at Tennessee and the way he's a great teammate and leader on last year's team. So I think, I personally, I think that's part of the equation with this. Then also, Nico is very young. He is a true freshman. This offense takes a lot of, you know, chemistry being built between the wide receivers and the quarterback. We've seen that. He's played very, very little. I think we've, you know, he's really only played uh, when that Virginia game and got a series 
what against uh, or two against uh, UTSA. Uh, yep. Didn't didn't really see a whole lot there, so he hasn't really even had much on field in game action. Not like we thought we would see because we thought there'd be some blowouts. So he hasn't really had the benefit of that. I, it, who knows what what to expect if you were to throw him out there? If you're you can't like you said you can't bench anybody when you're five and one, no matter how the quarterback play is. Exactly. Now, on the flip side of it, the quarterback play hasn't been great. Like, no, the receivers haven't been great. Because of the way this offense works, it's almost impossible to know on certain plays who's at fault. Like, there was one play, uh, Joe Milton completed the throw to the sideline to square white uh, against Texas A&M on the, like, left sideline. And it looked like Milton wanted to throw the ball deep. And he hesitated. And I'm, like, watching the TV stream and let it fly, you know, throw that ball because earlier in the game, he waited about a second too late on one to Ramel Keaton and the pass interference wasn't called in the end zone. And if you throw that ball a little sooner, maybe it's a touchdown if it's accurate. I thought that's what was happening with Squirrel White. Well, Squirrel had come back. He cut off the route and kind of came back to Milton a little bit. They completed the pass. Mil- uh, Squirrel was able to stay in bounds. It was a nice play. They clearly, though, weren't on the same page there. Who's at fault there? Because this offense, you're, the defense is dictating so much of what you're doing and you don't really know pre-snap where squirrel's going it depends on what kind of leverage the defensive back has and how he reads it and y'all got to read it the same way and and Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt and Ramel Keaton and Brew McCoy that were so good at that last year and Milton had it with those receivers at times last year we saw it when he played against Vanderbilt he had a big throw to Jalen Hyatt he had some big plays in the Orange Bowl he had big plays when he when he came in in relief against a UT Martin he had, he had Jalen Hyatt down the field. I mean, they had some of those big plays with those receivers. So I do think there is a lot of it on the receivers, but the decision-making hasn't been great. The pocket awareness, being able to climb the pocket, maneuver, move around, take off running, all these things that you saw from Hendon Hooker, all the things that you see from some of the higher-level quarterbacks in the SEC, from your Jaden Daniels and some of these guys, you just haven't seen it with Milton. Like, there is no – I don't feel like there's any disputing that. Like, Skill-wise and what we've seen, Milton has been a bottom-tier SEC quarterback this season compared to the elite quarterback play that we saw last season. He, Where do you go just, from there? Yeah, I, I agree with all that. He's just weird. Like, that's that's the thing when I see him because you, you look at him in, in pregame. Physically, I, I don't know that there's a more physically imposing quarterback that you could have. He has to be the most physically opposing quarterback in all of college football. Just his general can chuck a ball 80 yards, if not more. Uh, he's absolutely massive and can run you over. And then he gets out there. And he'll, you like you said, his timing's off. His situational awareness is brutal. Uh, I mean, he's, what was it? The opening drive, right? Fourth and two. And he runs out of bounds. He could have trucked the guy. Runs out of bounds. You're massive. Run somebody over. But then later in the game, he runs somebody over and he's standing over them, taunting them. And then he goes and throws a ridiculous interception. And it's just all this combined. And then you look at him on the sideline during all of that. And he never really looks shaken. Doesn't really look like disappointed. And this is, I I never really liked the criticisms like this. I'm just pointing out what I'm, what I'm seeing. It's just weird. I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. Like there's a lot of people that'd be like, Oh, he, he didn't look super pissed off. I, you know, not everybody just gets super pissed off when they 
play bad. That, that's just not some guys do. Some guys don't that, you know, it's just not universal across the board. You can't take a whole lot away from that, but he goes over the sidelines almost no matter what. And he's just kind of looking the same, does the same. He never looks shaken, but then he goes out and doesn't play with confidence. And that's what I don't get. Like Hinnett hooker never looked shaken. And then he went out and played with confidence. That makes plenty of sense. He was unflappable most of the time. And, but Joe looks unflappable. And then he goes out there and he plays meek football and looks like he doesn't want to run the ball. And just, it's just weird. Like and the that, criticism is fair, by the way, because he's older than some NFL quarterbacks at this point. <laughs> yes, so is. it's not like you can give the, oh, you can't, you know, because I'm always weird about that too. Like 18, 19 year old kids, like they're, they're college kids. It, it's, I, I don't want to over criticize any of those, but at this point, when you've been in college for this long, six years, I think you you should be open to that criticism. And I think it's fair, like, based on what we've seen. Like, I agree with – we've seen tons of quarterbacks. And at this point, the one thing that a quarterback has to have is that just unwavering, uh, genuine confidence and ability to lead. And we saw that from Hendon Hooker. We saw it from Josh Dobbs. We did not see it from uh, Jared Garantano and some of the other quarterbacks that have been there in the past. And I'm not comparing, making any comparisons there, but with Milton, he does look unsure of himself at times, unsure of his decisions. We've heard in the past, he said it himself, that he's let plays affect the next plays. The bravado on knocking someone over on this quarterback run and then running out of bounds we saw it in this Ole Miss in 2021. I mean, that was the reason that part of the reason Strange. they lost the game. You know, it's third and eight, and you get a, a an offsides play. And, yeah, you, you kind of want that free play there. But also, it's third and eight. You're not getting a free first down. You take off running. You run short of the sticks. Then you're in third and three, or you're in fourth and one. When you could make a play there, move to the inside, and chances are you're six foot five, you're 240 pounds, you're going to pick up that extra yard, you're going to keep the chains moving. And to me, that's priority number one, keep the chains moving. You had that opportunity, and you saw it later in the game with the fourth and two situation where it looked like he could have just ran for it, and instead he kind of throws it to nobody that was open, kind of out of bounds, and the decision-making, just awareness, all of that stuff just hasn't been there. And that's that's fine, like, that's an elite quality that not many quarterbacks have. Like, it's a very hard yeah. position to play. There are not that many elite quarterbacks. Look at the NFL. There just aren't. And if if he doesn't have it, he doesn't have it. Like, at this point, he's got six games left in his Tennessee career, seven, depending on bowl game, however that works out. What are you expecting to see different in these last six games than you have the previous five and a half years? Like, I, if you're wishing for this to turn around and suddenly become a completely different quarterback, I think you're going to be disappointed. Like, the odds say that that's just not going to happen. I think what you got to do is something along these lines screen passes and bombs only. I'm not sure you let him try any passes across the middle of the field anymore. And that's it, Alabama's it, weakness, by the way, passes over the middle. Uh, he just, he can't, he doesn't throw anybody open. He doesn't, he he can't complete those passes, and he has. He has the ability. He can rock that ball in there. But he, like I said, he doesn't, doesn't really throw anybody open. He's behind guys a lot. Timing's just off. But you just, so just screen passes, bombs. Make him run the ball. And, and you tell him, lower your shoulder. And bulldoze people. And you tell them that. I like 
Hypo, that, that, sort of, hypo has pretty much through the media, though. I mean, he has that's said, true. like, we need him to make plays with his legs. Joey Hosley has said the same thing. I mean, they haven't been banging their fist on the table, and, and I think that's the right approach. I don't think you get the best out of any player by going out there and, you know, just demanding it in a press conference. I mean, you got to have that player believing that they can do it. You can't force them to do it. And the more they're out there thinking, which I think Joe Milton is doing a lot of right now on the field, he's thinking a lot. Yes. And that is the worst thing you can do as a quarterback. It's just like hitting in baseball. You have to go out there and you just have to fill it. You have to be able to fill it. And that's what separates the good ones from the great ones. And so far, he just – he's done it at times. He has. Last season, I think we saw it at times. But it's just not there right now. And the consistency's always been an issue. So I think it always is going to be an issue. Well, De- Debbie asks, Milton did great against Clemson. So what's different? <laughs> I, I think – This is a theory. 100%. It's just speculation on my part, but I think it could be true. I I think it throws people off because he never does look shaken. He never does look angry or just, you know, off-put at all, which you see so often when quarterbacks play poorly. They'll just get bad body language, and they just, uh, you know... You can you can just see like Jared Carantano is like a real he just he would play poorly and just his body language was just tough. He got better as he got older with that, but you know just early on he was like kind of pouting on the sidelines and some stuff like that. And Joe just never does that. Six year senior, level headed, does all those things. And then he goes out there and he plays poorly. And I think that level headed demeanor covers up the fact that he's a head case. I said this to Crompton. Crompton wasn't having it in our post game show. He just would would not give it any credence at all. And I think it's the case. I think in the back of Joe's mind, he doesn't believe because he's poor. So many poor plays have happened. They're kind of building on themselves at this point. He keeps throwing interceptions. He keeps throwing behind guys. He keeps just seeing that. And if you just keep seeing that and you're not building confidence in a real way, that's going to affect you. It has to. He's a human being. And and I think he sort of is secretly a head case, and you just don't see it. Uh, and and that's that's my theory. Again, theory, speculation. I don't know, but that's what I think is happening. I don't. I, 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 how do you think? I don't know if I'd call it a head case necessarily. I think anybody hears criticism and they can either have the confidence to, you know, put the chip on their shoulder, which I think you know Hinden Hooker was was one of those types of people. And it that kind of drives them to be better or it puts doubt in their mind. And I think Milton might be the type where it puts some doubt in his mind. And that's just a kind of like you said there, it's a normal human reaction. I mean, the media has kind of turned him into a novelty, and that's not his fault. He's been the guy that can throw it 90 yards that isn't consistent, needs to put it all together. And there are other quarterbacks that are just as inconsistent and have had lower completion percentages and uh, they, they've they kind of been unfair in the way I feel like that he's been labeled as opposed to some of the other quarterbacks that, that have come through the SEC that haven't played well or have kind of been up and down. Like, I feel like some of those guys get the benefit of the doubt, like a, like a Devin Leary at Kentucky. So, I mean, that, I think all that plays into it. And, look, I mean, if you're out there and you have that little bit of doubt, it's going to show up on the field and – that's something that you just can't coach out of somebody. You can make somebody feel as confident as possible. And I think that's what Tennessee's done because with Josh Heupel and, and Joey Hosley, these guys, they're not dumb. Like they've coached Heisman winners. You know, they've coached the Sam Bradfords all, you know, they've coached Hendon Hooker, obviously now they've seen a 
lot of great quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, that hypo was there briefly with. They know what elite looks like and what elite quarterback play looks like and what a guy taking over a game looks like. And I know that they have to see what's happening and understand that it's not to the standard that, that they want it to be at. But if you listen to their press conferences, especially Joey Hasley's, you see somebody that's trying to build confidence in Milton. They talk about his decision-making and kind of dumping off these screen passes and taking what the defense gives them. And like that's not what Tennessee wants to do. I mean, Josh Eiffel kind of said it today. Like, they have to create more pass, explosive pass plays. Like, he says that. Like, there's more there that they need to get. But they're not, they're trying to not be overly critical of Milton because I think they do know that he's the kind of guy that needs that confidence and, and needs somebody else to kind of help build that. Like, it's not going to come from within for whatever reason. And, and that's not an insult or a slight against Milton. I mean, we're all human, everybody has different personalities and, and, and different ways that they handle things. And I think that's, that's just what we're seeing with him. Kim says there's therapy for that. Maybe he, now I know they have, they have sports psychologists uh, over there. And so maybe, maybe yeah, but it's not a one size like fits all help. thing. I mean, everybody's it's got not. their own. Yeah. Cause there's also, there's also this that Jason says. He says, "I honestly, I honestly believe Milton believes he's a legend in his own mind. It could just be unfounded confidence that he just has in himself, and he's screwing up and still thinking that he's playing well. I, who knows? As I said, it's a theory. It's just my my assessment of the situation. Because otherwise, I mean, he's let's be honest, he's regressed from from that Clemson game, uh, and it it has gone backwards, and that's really." really tough and and just uh, frankly it just can't happen yes you're winning games but you're not gonna win the big games playing like that you just aren't so i yeah there there's kind of that uh with with milton we do have to talk about the Alabama game uh it's a big one <laughs> that's 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 what's about to happen bama week and so let's talk about it right after i tell you about Hello Fresh, our next great sponsor. If you're, uh, oh, we're, that, <laughs> what? Here it is, right here. What is Hello Fresh? With Hello Fresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That is why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit when it comes to options. More is more with HelloFresh, and that's why HelloFresh menu HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every week. A busy fall schedule doesn't always leave you with time to spare, and with HelloFresh, you don't need to spend all evening in the kitchen to whip up a wholesome meal. With their quick and easy recipes and 15-minute meals, you can get a tasty dinner on the table in less time than it takes to get takeout or delivery. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50VolsAZ and use code Vols, that is V-O-L-S, HelloFresh.com slash 50 Vols, A-Z, code Vols, and you'll get uh, 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Again, HelloFresh.com slash 50 Vols, A-Z, code Vols, 50% off, and then 15% off your next two months. That is HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Out of this Alabama game. Obviously, one year ago yesterday was October 15th, 2022. 
It was a beautiful, beautiful day in Knoxville, Tennessee. Not just the weather, but the volunteers knocked off Alabama for the first time in 15 years. It was magical for everybody involved. Obviously, we we were all there. We all, wherever you might have been, we were all witnessing it together, celebrating it together. It was absolutely unbelievable, incredible, and, you know, use whatever words you want. I could talk about it all day long, but this day was always going to come. <laughs> where you had to play Alabama again. You can only live the, in the light of that victory for so long. Those those highlights will live on YouTube forever. But you got to play Alabama again. And now the game is in Tuscaloosa. And this isn't going to be easy. But if you watch the game against Arkansas, if you watched uh, Alabama's game against Texas A&M, you'll certainly see Alabama's pretty vulnerable. Obviously, I mean, they kind of got their butt kicked by Texas in Tuscaloosa. It was a huge night game that was there, and Texas kind of just kicked them around. Uh, it was early in the season. I think Jalen Milrow's gotten a little better. I think their defense has gotten a little better. They, they've improved some over the course of the year, but they got played really close by Arkansas. They got played really close by Texas A&M, and you just beat Texas A&M. And so where does that leave us with this game? I'll, I'll throw it. To you first, Zach, uh, if you watch that Arkansas-Bama game, how, how are you feeling about Bama at the moment? I mean, I think this is the most beatable that, that Alabama has been on the road, I mean, since Nick Saban's been there, maybe. I mean, I, I think that's fair to say. I mean, Tennessee's come so. close a couple of times in 2009 and 2015, but I, those are pretty good Alabama teams. I think this is the most beatable that they've definitely been at home. I think Alabama fans are starting to get restless because they they've – you know, championships are bust and and they're not they're not they're not winning those championships the last couple of years. They're losing games that they they haven't been losing for a long time. So I think the potential to take the crowd out of the, the game early is there. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Georgia last year at, at its best is going to be tougher than Alabama at its best just because of the state of the program. As far as the actual game, Alabama's offense hasn't been great, but they have created some explosive plays. Uh, every now and then, like, and that's their first drive or their first scoring drive against Arkansas is my worst nightmare for Tennessee in this game. It was three plays, 79 yards, I think. It was uh, no gain on first down, a bad snap on the second down. So then you're in third and 14, and it's a 75 yard, 79 yard touchdown. And that is, that's the th type of things that we've seen happen to Tennessee from time to time. Mm. But I think Tennessee's defense is, is obviously better than Arkansas's defense. Alabama's offensive line, specifically their tackles, have not played great. So that's a great matchup there that, that James Pierce can win. And you give James Pierce attention, Tyler Barron and Roman Harrison have shown they can get home pretty often. The interior often, uh, defensive line can get home. So I think you got to have integrity in your pass rushing lanes, obviously, because you don't want Jalen Milrow to get out of there and, and bust off a 15, 20-yard run. Uh, which he obviously can do. But I think I like the matchup for the defense pretty well. The explosive plays scare me because all it takes is one little lapse and, and one of those can happen. But that I mean that's true on the other side too. Even though Tennessee hasn't created a bunch of those explosive plays, they have been there at times. The execution just hasn't allowed them to happen at times. Drop passes, off-target throws, missed pass interference calls, whatever the reason – They've been there. They just haven't been completed. So 
it, you can't say, well, Tennessee can't complete these explosive plays. I think they can. I'm not saying they will against Alabama, but the possibility is there. So I don't know. I like, I, I feel like it's going to be kind of like that Texas A&M game. Like, I think it's going to be a similar type of game. I think Milrow's more dangerous with his legs, but, you know, Max Johnson's not a bad quarterback. He, we've seen him light up some teams when he was at LSU. Was, and I think there's four yards against a pretty decent Ole Miss team in 2020 or 21, whenever that was. So it, Tennessee's defense is pretty elite at this point. It, it's getting into that yeah. territory. And the, the better the defensive line plays, the better we're actually seeing the secondary play because they're not out on an island half the time where they're in these one-on-one situations that eventually you're just not going to win all of those. It's, obviously, it's the offense that's bothersome. already alluded to it earlier. Alabama's vulnerable in the middle of the field, running the ball and throwing the ball. Joe Milton's going to have to throw those balls over the middle, and he's going to have to complete some of those. Like, he's going to have to create, they're going to have to be like some crossing routes or something to get guys in the middle of the field and in space where they can create something after the play. And you have to win those one on one matchups on the outside. Like, you cannot win this game unless you create a couple of explosive plays. Uh, it's going to be the opposite of last year's game. You go from Bryce Young versus Hendon Hooker to to Milrow versus Milton, neither of which I think at this point are NFL quarterbacks. And I don't think they'll be really in the NFL, maybe on a practice squad or something. So I, I think it'll be, you know, under 30 points. I think the team that wins might score under 30 points. And it's going to be just an ugly, frustrating game that maybe has one or two big plays and whichever team completes those one or two big plays is probably the team that wins and unless Tennessee can get a pitch six or a punt return I mean they're going to do their best not to punt it to D Williams unless they're in a situation like Texas A&M was where they literally had no choice um, but to, honestly Texas A&M would have been better trying to run a draw play and getting Tennessee on the 10 yard line because they wouldn't have scored from there they would have been better off doing that than punting to yeah. D Williams but but I mean, that's, that's just the type of game I'm expecting personally. I think I pretty much agree. I I think this game actually lines up as well as it could for Tennessee. Cause Alabama, just like last year, Alabama has more talent than you. They just do. They have more talent than everybody except Georgia. That's, that's the way that it is. Now A&M has a lot of talent too. Let's not sleep that's, on well, that. That's true. That's Jimbo that's paid true. for a lot. A lot. Woo. And he is squandering so much out there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that, man, what we didn't even talk about Walter Nolan, that whole that sad mm. situation. Um maybe maybe that injury uh that you know, th- thoughts to him. Maybe that injury gives him enough time to think about transferring to, back to Tennessee. <laughs> um when Jimbo gets inevitably fired hey, this offseason. Rodney Garner is the best DL coach in the nation. I don't know why you wouldn't want to play for that job. No doubt. And, and, and I will say it's VolQuest. Somebody posted an interview on YouTube. I think it was VolQuest had an interview with Rodney Garner this week is really good. Garner's awesome. He's a very cool fan. This guy, he has been in the sec since 1984. You played at Auburn from 84 to 89, immediately started coaching at Auburn in 1990 and has been at either Auburn, Tennessee, or Georgia every year since night. 1990 so for almost 40 well yeah 39 years this man has been in the sec incredible and i and being being the the age that he is i mean near near like your typical retirement age and still just i mean he's one of the best doing it 
Uh, I, I personally, I think he's the best doing it. Uh, if the, the, and the, the proof's in the pudding. The results are right there on the field with the with that defensive line right now. Um, but it, yeah, to your point, I, this game lines up well for Tennessee because the defensive line is dominating. Alabama's offensive line, I think some somebody said that they've had to replace pieces on that offensive line. That I think they're going to be playing a freshman at right tackle. Yeah, their like, tackle situation is not good. Ugh, maybe it's left left tackle. I, left I, tackle, I think. Left tackle. And so Tyler Barron, James Pierce is going to be playing against a freshman and good freaking luck, my man, uh, with, with anybody who has to do that. And so you, you look at that. I mean, Arkansas had five sacks against these boys. And so it's, that's right for the picking for Tennessee. That that's, you could take the crowd out of this game by doing that. Absolutely deflate the place. Obviously you get the ball back, give yourself more chances on offense, things like that. But, um, that could just be so, so, so huge if you start with dominating the defensive trenches. Now, on offense, it's all just going to be find a way. And, and I think I think it really starts with uh, not committing penalties. You cannot, 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 cannot hold. You cannot have a pre-snap penalty and start at first and 15. You, ju- you can't. You just can't. That's not how you will ever beat Alabama. Last year, I mean, that, that was one of the main things that sunk Alabama and Neyland Stadium last year What was their pre-snap penalties. I mean, they how many? I think, didn't they set a record? It was Tennessee quite a few, game? or like the most Saban has had, maybe. It was quite yes. a few. It was like 10 or 11. Just, yeah, just a, a brutal amount, and that will sink you anywhere. Obviously, we saw Tennessee at Georgia last year. You, that will sink your ship so fast. I mean, about sunk Tennessee at home against A&M. Yeah, Exactly. You so were very confident. Prone. I'm not confident that they can do that. It, it's something to Josh Heupel. It's the one criticism I think that is very fair of Josh Heupel. And you're always going to have to live with some pre-snap penalties because of how the offense operates. Inevitably, there's going to be some false starts when you're moving that fast. It's just even as yeah. efficiently as this offense runs or has ran at times, you're going to have some of those. So I think it's something to live to an extent is an overkill like some of those penalties on saturday the 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 face mask and i think it was roman harrison had a had a face mask it was just inexcusable some of the holds away from the play where it really didn't even affect the play it wipes out big and gains you got away with two face masks oh yeah uh in that game that didn't the get called. Now, was so terrible in that game yeah, that, and it it was there was stuff on both sides i mean yeah, we, Te- we texas a&m got away with brutal yeah. pass interference in that we game. tend to focus on that stuff and we tend to like take a deep sigh you know deep sigh of relief whenever they don't call it on tennessee like the one on tyler Barron, where he looked at the ref to see if they were gonna call it and they didn't i'm sure texas a&m fans are feeling the same way officiating was terrible but yeah to your point you cannot do that on the road in, in alabama and win this game absolutely elias he says you gotta win special teams too 100 percent D D Williams and I think you you got to win on special teams. I, I if Alabama plays their cards right, D Williams is never going to touch the ball in special teams in this game. But so, sometimes, like you said, it's it's unavoidable. You, you never know. But I I say, and and actually here here you go. J- sorry, it was James right here. He says fake punts, deep balls, D Williams on screens, screw playing smart, play crazy. That's how I feel. You're playing with house money here. No, nobody. You're a, you're a ten point underdog. I saw I saw nine to ten points, right in there. 
uh, on different betting sites. Nobody's expecting you to to win this. You can lose this and still go ten and two, nine and three, and and still have a, a plenty good season. And so just just go just go balls to the wall here. Like that's that's what I want to see. Like we were talking about earlier, to pull out a a tight end fullback run. Go with D Williams. Freaking run D Williams out of a wildcat package. I don't know. That's that would be that. I mean, they, 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 they used Princeton <laughs> Fent with uh, some of those halfback passes yeah. last year. Use one of those. We haven't seen that because do, do do the do the Mike Vrabel the snap the ball straight to Jalen Wright and then a jump pass into the end zone. I don't you, know. Wait, did you just advocate for the Tennessee the to one, do something like Mike Vrabel? The one thing you should after do all like the text Vrabel. after all the text I read yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The one to, thing you should emulate from Mike Vrabel. <laughs> Don't do anything else that he does. But that one thing, he's he's had a lot of success with the, <laughs> the jump pass at the end zone with Derrick Henry. Um, but, you know, just just throw it all out there. Throw the kitchen sink at these boys. You're playing Same. at Alabama. Like, just freaking go for it. When you look historically what happened, like those, those games that Hugh Freeze won against Alabama, like you, sometimes you just gotta have the bounces go your way and just it, anything. And so, be maybe not this crazy, but like, like uh, freaking Austin P earlier this year, go out there and make Bama scared. Where they go, like, what are these guys doing right now? Like that's, that's where D Williams comes in, right? Uh, exactly. Find creative things to do that that throw Alabama through a loop. And that's how you could win because I think with Milton, you gotta avoid passes over the middle where where you could really hurt Bama. Uh and you gotta you gotta bomb it, you gotta go screen passes, you gotta obviously run the ball, you gotta keep them honest with with a somewhat balanced offensive attack if you can. Obviously, I, they're gonna go run heavy, I would say, but come out with every it, running back in the game, first play. Ken Sheldon, <laughs> Khalifa Keith. <laughs> line Along them all up. Right, small Samson. Just saving. <laughs> like, what in the what? Like, what is line this? them all up on one side. Yes. As if you're going to pass the ball, but then call an audible, and then they're all in the back. Can you have even five guys in the probably back? not? Like <laughs> it's probably an illegal formation of some sort. <laughs> you know, just just throw whatever you got to do at them. Um, and that that's that's what I say because you're you're not just gonna line straight up against Alabama and, and beat them. You're just not, the margins are too thin with how Tennessee is playing this season. That's just not going to happen. You, I think you should be able to, to kill Milrow and, and, you know, keep him in check and, and hopefully get him on the ground a bunch in this game. But overall, man, I, I, I just think you, you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to have some bounces go your way. You're going to have to have a little, little bit last year, last year, you had some luck go your way. You had the bounces go your way. And that's, that's what happens when you're that confident team, when you're there, when you're ready to take advantage of those bounces when they come your way. Because uh, you also had ones go go against you. You had a freaking fumble return for a touchdown in that game, and you still won against Alabama. Like, think about that. I don't think that gets talked about enough. <laughs> that happened in that game. Uh, and so you got to go and take it when the breaks come your way. And But... On the whole, this game is winnable for Tennessee. They just got to have a lot of stuff go right. And one of those is that Joe Milton, Joe Milton doesn't have to play a magical game. You have to have a magical game from your running backs in this one. 
but you have to have an improved game from your wide receivers and Joe Milton. And, you know, Mr. Jones says it here, win in the trenches, bully these boys. You got to push them around and then Tennessee will really have a chance. And, and I, I say this, I, I feel like I've said this for every Alabama game for the last 10 years that we've played, be there in the fourth quarter. Just give yourself a chance. I actually went back. I went back and looked at my tweets from the game last year. And uh, I actually said that in a, in a tweet during the game last year. I think it was it must have been in between the third and the fourth quarter. And I tweeted, this is what we wanted, a chance to win in the fourth quarter. Now just go and take it. And Hooker did. He went and took it. Can Joe Milton and this team do that? <clears throat> we'll see. Uh, any Anything else before we move on? Obviously, the final segment is going to be our predictions. Anything else, Zach? No, I think we just we just got to get to to pick in this game and get get through that because it's uh yeah I don't know it's not a fun one to pick. No, it's not. Uh, I I will say side note here something that is fun: the Texas Rangers. Now that's all they held on. Who and O in the ALCS? Whoo! Live 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 to fight another day. There they gave up the five four. They almost let Houston come back, but they didn't. And both those uh, games are on the road, right? So yeah, now they yeah, get to go home. Huge. You flip home field advantage there. Mm-mm-mm. I can't believe it. I, I'll be singing Creed all night long if those boys make it to the World Series. Uh, but let's finish with this right after with the the Alabama prediction. Right after I tell you about rattle and snap Tennessee whiskey. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory like the one we will hopefully have on Saturday night this week than an awesome whiskey. And, oh, you better believe last year when Tennessee beat Alabama, I I was, uh, I was had the, the rattle and snap Tennessee whiskey right there with the cigar. It was a beautiful moment. I had, I had my shirt off <laughs> after the game. Uh, Logsdale Distillery has a Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap. Named after a long-forgotten game of chance, Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version. They are both awesome. Get your hands on both. They go great in cocktails, a great meat in a glass. You can find Rattle and Snap in stores across the state of Tennessee, but also in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. Run, don't walk to get yourself some Rattle and Snap whiskey for those beautiful Tennessee sports victories. Follow Rattle and Snap on Instagram at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. All righty, let's get to it. <laughs> Tennessee, Alabama, three thirty Eastern time on CBS Sports. We got to listen to Danielson for another freaking week. Well, it's either Danielson or Kessling. <laughs> Pick your poison there. I, I love Bob Kessling, but his calls aren't the most exciting. Um. Well, I, let's. I'll go to you first, Zach. How are you feeling? Can Tennessee win in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? Yeah, well, I mean, I said earlier, I think the game is very winnable for, I mean, just Alabama's just not that good. Like, I saw Big Ten Jeff say something about you're not keeping Alabama that low scoring total. What have we seen this year that suggests that at all? They scored 56 against Middle Tennessee, 40 against Mississippi State. I mean, that's akin to Tennessee scoring how 49 against Virginia and 41 against South Carolina. Very similar. They get beat at home by Texas. You know, Tennessee loses on the road to Florida. They, they've just had a very similar trajectory this entire season. They haven't, they, they 17 points against South Florida, you know, 24 against Ole Miss, 26 against AM, 24 against Arkansas. Alabama does not have a great offense. I don't think that's 
that's not what really scares me. Like, I think Tennessee's defense will hold up pretty decent. They might give up an explosive play or two because Milrow does have that capability, and it seems like they are hitting at least like one of those a game. So I, I think that will be a problem. It's the offense for me. There's nothing that gives me confidence, especially after the A&M game at home with the crowd on your side against an A&M team that was not playing well at all, and you could barely score. You scored 13 points on offense. Like that's it's just not going to get it done against you know Alabama. Probably better in Texas A&M. They beat A&M head-to-head. I, I do think they're a better team, but you're going on the road in a tough environment. Tennessee's best team that we've seen in 20 years did not handle those road environments well at all. I mean, they beat you know LSU on the road. That was a completely different situation. The crowd was a non-factor pretty much from the start. There were so many Tennessee fans there. The true road games, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida this season, they just have not played well in those, and I don't – uh, between that and the penalties that we saw in Neyland, like I cannot just assume, I, like you, I think you're hoping for on a prayer, living on a prayer or something. If you think that that's going to get fixed this week and not be an issue. So I think Tennessee's defense will play really well. I think it'll be an ugly game. I think it'll be a lot like the A&M game. If the game was in Knoxville, maybe I'd feel different, but you know, I have Alabama winning 23 to 17. I don't think it'll be a blowout. I don't agree with big 10 Jeff there, but it's just, I'm, if I pick Tennessee, I just feel like logic does not point you in that direction. And I think you, you know, if you're making this pick and trying to trying to get be be right or whatever, I think you have to go with logic, and that's just where it points me. Yeah, I never listen to Big Ten Jeff. It's always <laughs> going to lead you astray. Um, oh, oh, and I, I'll say this because uh, people are already doing this. Drop your score prediction into the comments if you're watching. Um a bunch of people in here watching we really appreciate it the comments have been on fire tonight um drop your your score prediction in there and we'll we'll read them out i'll give mine here in just a second uh, yeah if this game was in knoxville i it's almost a pretty easy pick for me i i think i would go tennessee i i i think uh alabama with bryce young was shaky in neyland stadium much less milrow so I I think you you look at that and that that would have been kind of a gimme choice there. But just it being on the road and the way that we've seen this team operate on the road. I mean Bama is not known as a hostile. I mean obviously it's it's loud. It's it's an SEC stadium that holds like 100,000 people, like something like that. Um of course it's going to be super super hostile, but it's not known kind of like Neyland Stadium or like LSU Stadium or anything like that. It's just not in that that same. It's kind of like Georgia. It's like, yeah, it's loud, and we all know that, but it's not notorious. But we said that about Georgia last year, and Tennessee looks scared the entire game. You you look like a deer in headlights. So you just have that history there that's tough. To your point, you were committing a bunch of penalties on your home field this past week, and maybe you you could say like, oh, well, we were just getting them out of our system. We're, we're doing it against Texas A&M, and you still win. And so now, this week, it's going to be better. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I think it's it's going to be close, and I think it's going to be really good. And I think Tennessee will have an opportunity to win in the fourth quarter. I really do, and I, I think we'll we'll go into that fourth quarter really really hopeful, and then it slips away. I, I, I don't 
think it's going to be a victory in Tuscaloosa. I don't know what I would do. Like I, I remember having this conversation last year when we did this show, I need to go back and listen to it <laughs> where I was just like, I, I don't even know what I would do. If Tennessee were to beat Alabama, we haven't done it in 15 years. I was, I was a boy back then and I'm a man now and it's completely different. You beat Alabama two years in a row. Obviously I don't, I don't think it would be as wild as last year, but to win in Tuscaloosa and just have that over Nick Saban and to hold that over these freaking, ah, just that, you know, we all, it's, it's Bama. You know, we all get it. Like it would just be so magical. Do I think it's possible? Yes. 100%. It just is not the likely outcome. Like it, I, I just can't, if I'm being logical, I can't. And I think it slips away in the fourth quarter. I'll say Alabama 30, Tennessee 10. There's, sorry, sorry. Al- Alabama 30, Tennessee 20, Alabama wins by 10. So 30 to 20, Alabama. But it's like going into the fourth quarter, it's 23-20. Like you said, it's a, it's a grind them out. You know, Tennessee's hanging in, and they just can't. They just can't. And it was close it. in 2021 going into the fourth it was. quarter. And, and that Tennessee Slipped team was away. seven and six, and they had multiple losses by then that this team doesn't. So I'll say this I think for like the path for Tennessee to win is you've got to have a defensive touchdown. You've got to hit one yeah. of these explosive plays that we haven't seen. Like I think those two things, maybe even a D Williams punt return, like. But yeah, I think sure. a de- I think a defensive touchdown is a must to win because I don't think Tennessee can score enough points, at least not this version of the offense, uh, to to outscore Alabama. And that's not saying it's just shootout. Obviously, we've talked about that a lot. But I just I think you've got to have a defensive touchdown to have a chance here to to win on the road because it's just it's just so hard to win on the road in the SEC, especially when you're committing penalties like that. And and they haven't proven that they can really do it yet. So. Something that there's got to be like kind of an X factor, I think, that, that comes up and happens. Yeah. I, I said this to Crompton when when we I was getting his prediction for the game. I think it's just going to come down to who can make that play. And like yeah. last year in, in Neyland Stadium, it was the 15-second drive to set you up for, for a touchdown. Who can make that play? Just the, the one that clinches it for you. And I mean, the receivers, t- t- receivers got to step up. Period. One of them. One of them. I don't happen. care who it is. One of them's got to. Yeah, that 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 has to happen. So somebody got to score the football. I I don't know who who can make that play, and I just I analyze this as a whole and just the the odds are in Alabama's favor here that they'll be the one to make that play. Yeah. They almost made that play in Neyland last year because it's freaking Nick Saban and he just ugh, you know Thank killed God that me. pass interference was called. Oh yeah, saved your butt, but. I mean, it it just who who can do it, and it just feels like to me it's it's gonna fall in Alabama's favor, unfortunately. But let's let's what see what it? everybody said. Interesting thing from there for Mister Jones because South Florida, who was coached by Alex Golish, did. I mean, they lost seventeen to three. Uh, so yeah, I wonder if they've exchanged I mean, any 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 text or anything, any information. I, I know it's it's busy during the season. There's not a whole lot of fraternizing going on even between former coaches and buddies, but Hey, maybe there's a little inside info though. I'm not, I, I don't know how much uh goalish could provide there that the game film does not but maybe, maybe there's something there. I hope so. Whatever it was. And a lot of people have been thinking, Oh, was, was goalish the, the magic touch. Is that why the offense? I, I, I don't subscribe to that personally. That's a whole conversation. I do but, think he brought a little edge 
too. As I think Golish kind of has that Hendon Hooker deal. Like he's always trying to. He's always thought he's having to prove himself. Mm. Kind of the. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, maybe. I, I do. I do think there was a confidence in a swagger that Golish brought. Uh, I do believe that. And I think he was really in tune with what Hypo wanted. And that's not a knock on Joey yeah. Hosley. I just, Golish, I, I would like him a lot. And I think he's a really good coach. And and to say that he wasn't a loss just because it's Hypo's offense is, is totally not fair to Alex Golish, I don't think. No, oh, it was a loss. But is it the thing that has made this all <laughs> go off the rails? Well, go off the rails. I mean, you're five and one. But. You know, go go off the rails offensively where you're only scoring 20 points a game. Yeah, I, I think it's a factor. Is it the main thing or some driving factor? I, God. I don't know. Maybe but, we are the worst fan base because we've been pretty negative over five and one. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think about, yeah, three years ago, we were like, please just win five games a season. Now you're five and one if there's six games. And we're, and we're like, dang it, replace the quarterback. What are we yeah. doing? <laughs> how quickly we forget where we came from um billy bob says 17 16 balls i and now billy bob he he called it last week i don't remember exactly the score that he said but he said like a really low scoring uh game for tennessee and i, I remember saying it because i was like woof that, that if that came true that would be hypel's first win with less than 30 points lo and behold billy bob called it um Big Ten Jeff says Bama wins 27-10. Again, don't listen to Big Ten Jeff. There's no point. Um, Mr. Jones says 23-21. Debbie says Tennessee 20, Alabama 17. Sean, 30-21 ball. So basically my score, but just reversed there. Jason, 21-24. Tennessee wins on last second field goal in two consecutive years. God, that would be awesome. Uh, Larry says 21-17 balls. Michelle, Tennessee by 10. Timothy says 24 27 Tennessee. Brenda 21 20 uh for the Vols. Uh from from everybody's mouths to God's ears. Let it speak it into existence. I want this so badly. I again, I don't know what I would do if Tennessee wins this game. I'm just not I'm not going to lie to you. I'll give you my honest uh prediction. And and I just personally, I don't think Tennessee's. I now, but even preseason, preseason, I I said Bama will win this game. Yeah. That was one. No, I said we would win at Florida. <laughs> Didn't turn out so hot, but um, mm. yeah. That's what's frustrating about when you lose these games is because, and who knows what the future holds for Alabama as a program. I think honestly, like just as a side note, I think the transfer portal is why all of a sudden the SEC is just full of parody I, I i think that's yep. i think most people probably agree with that yep but you don't get this version of alabama that's this vulnerable at home very often because i feel like alabama this offseason they're probably going to find a quarterback they tried last year it didn't work out clearly saban knew they were in trouble that's why they went and got the guy from notre dame who was cast off in favor of another quarterback that notre dame went and got i think they will go find somebody so you, you don't get these opportunities often against the Nick Saban team and if you and when you don't take advantage of them just like Tennessee hasn't taken advantage of a lot of down Florida teams that's what makes those losses so much more crushing if this was like the most dominant team in the country you know like like Alabama has been it would be a little easier to say you know you know just got to keep keep chopping away and hope you get there eventually but you kind of are there and it's one of those games that you can win and 
it'll be a letdown if they lose it. I'm not going to be down on Tennessee or down on Josh Heupel or anything like that because I think we know the situation. I think you we're going to see better quarterback play and better wide receiver play in the future. Uh, Heupel has done that his entire career. There's just, for whatever reason, that we have went over on this podcast, it just is not happening this year. So it's not like I'm going to be out on Heupel. Nowhere close to that. Uh, no. Clearly the right guy. Like, you're afforded a not as good year as last year, and you you will have good years in the future. But it'll still be a letdown to lose to this Alabama team, for sure. I mean, I I, I listened to some some Texas A and M media people after this game just to see because I I kind of want to hear like, are they completely out on Jimbo? They are, by the way. They should be. They, <laughs> they should are be. so out on Jimbo. Listen to that dude's press uh, conferences are just brutal. It's just. Mm. He just sounds like somebody trying to talk his way out of a bad situation and explain yeah. it away. And he talks so fast. It's so, it's just. He talk, talks like this. Like, listen, the, the, we went out there. We tried, we played the game. We tried to play. Yes. We... <laughs> that is 1 million percent it. <laughs> it's so annoying, dude. Uh, but I, I, I don't, well, I don't even remember where I was going with that. Oh, they, their, their take was. Oh, I obviously to kind of try and make themselves feel better. Like, I can't believe we lost to this Tennessee team. But they also They're said right. the same thing about Bama. They're like, I can't believe we lost to that Alabama team at home. Of course, I they did. had them at home. Yeah. And and I, I'll feel similarly if, if Tennessee yeah. bl- blows this game, say it's really close and you lose on a tight and a tight one. Like, ah, it's going to be. It's a game that Alabama, like this version of Alabama, shouldn't win. But, you know, they might, they might still win, which, you it's know. Saving. Hey, hopefully we're very wrong. I, I I love when I pick against Tennessee. There's I do, I never want to be right. So yeah, please, it's nothing please, like that. Please make me look a fool. James says nine to seven vols, th- three field goals. I will take it. <laughs> you you don't need a touchdown in this one. Hey, a win is a win. I I would that would be beautiful. Ben says twenty four twenty vols. Chad Chad actually agrees. Says I have a feeling that the Bammers call our bluff. And say to Milton, uh, just beat us. That the crowd in the road. I think we lose in a close one. Then Hayden I would love. Says, I would love a Joe Milton more. redemption arc. I mean, look, I would love to to have this whole conversation uh, about him and him go out there and throw for three hundred fifty yards and win the game. And I'd be extremely happy for him as a person and and obviously for the program. Uh, I, I'm rooting for that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. The game has to be played. Hasn't been played yet, so we don't know if he will or won't. But you know, I hope the, I hope the guy does. He deserves I, it for so for badly. Stuck through. Oh my god, he he deserves ju- at least one moment like that this season. A truly transcendent moment for for everything that he's done for for Tennessee and the, like the amazing sport he's been through all of this. But Hayden says twenty eight twenty four Vols and Elias. I believe this is in uh, in response to what would I do if Tennessee wins in Tuscaloosa and beats Alabama two years in a row? He says a triple shot of rattle and snap whiskey. That works. <laughs> I yes, that is 100% what would happen. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody for watching. That's I mean, we're coming up on an hour and a half here, going long for this one. You got, I mean, it's Bama week. You got it. You got to give it your all, leave it all out there, and hopefully, Tennessee football does the same. I am Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Thank you, thank you, thank you for watching. Seriously, I say it every single week, and I mean it every single week. We could not do this show without everybody that watches. It means the world. You guys are great. Comments were on fire yet again this week. You guys are too cool. We really appreciate it. Um, 
That's it. I mean, you you made it. To, I don't need to do all the academics here at the end. You're here. Subscribe. Notification bell. Like button. Blah, blah, blah. Charlie Burr, Zach Greg, Thanks again for watching. And we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.